So we're uh, in the last week of our series on Psalm 23. God, my shepherd, I don't need a thing. You have been bending down in lush meadows. You find me quiet pools to drink from. True to your word, you let me catch my breath and send me in the right direction. Even when the way goes through Death Valley, I'm not afraid when you walk in my side. Your trusty shepherd's crook makes me feel secure. You serve me a six-course dinner right in front of my enemies. You revive my drooping head, my cut brims with blessing. Your beauty and love chase after me every day of my life. And I'm back home in the house of God for the rest of my life. Word of God for all people. Thank you, God. God. So we've been talking about this psalm and kind of as it works through what it, what it means. It's a beloved psalm for many of us. And we're to verses 5 and 6, and there's something interesting that happens here when we get to this part of Psalm 23. See, up to this point, David's been using the shepherd imagery, right? He's been talking about God as a shepherd. But in verse 5, this picture changes. We no longer have the image of a shepherd, but rather a host in, in his home. And the transition is so smooth that you may not notice that. that you may not have, it, it, it works so smoothly in the psalm that, that this transition is sometimes not seen. And David begins that transition actually in verse 4. See, in verses 1 through 3, David speaking in the third person. The Lord is my shepherd. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He's talking to you about his relationship with the Lord. But in verse 4, he's speaking in the second person. Instead of talking to you about the Lord, he's now talking to the Lord directly. Even though I walk through the valley and the shadow of death, you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. And you don't realize what's going on until the second half that he's now directly talking to the Lord. And that change accomplishes a couple of things. First of all, it's probably one of the reasons we like it so much because it moves us into a more intimate understanding of who God is. And as we approach that topic of death, to have an intimate understanding of God can help us to understand how much He loves us and He will not forsake us. And the other is there's a change in imagery. So David moves from talking about the Lord as His Lord and not just as Shepherd, and, and then he transitions that into the personal understanding. And in this series, we started with the Lord on the, the Shepherd, or we, we went from the Shepherd on the pathway which was verses 1 through 3, <coughs> to the shepherd in the valley, which was verse 4, and now it's the shepherd at home, where the good shepherd, where Jesus is the host for us, as he welcomes us into his kingdom, as he welcomes us into his home, and we are his special guest of honor. I hope that you grab hold of that in you in your life, that no matter what is going on, that you are special to God, that you matter to God, and it may be that life is going terribly. It may be that life is going well. But no matter what's going on, God is with you in the midst of it. So today I want to focus on two things in this song. The first is that God invites you into his home, which is a beautiful picture of heaven and eternity. And the second is that eternal life starts now. It's not just a future thing. It's here and it's now. And you don't have to wait until heaven to start enjoying the benefits of eternal life. So let me start by looking at the God invites you into his home. 
We quoted Charles Spurgeon last week, right? You remember what Charles Spurgeon said? That the porch is a passageway into the house. And so the valley of the shadow of death is simply a passageway that we go through so that we can get into the house. Death is, death is not the house, but the porch. It's not the final rest, resting place, it's the passageway to eternal life. So David's saying, not only is the Lord your shepherd in life and through death, but when your days on earth are done, God invites you into his eternal home, that you have an eternal resting place with him, where he's the host. He's the host, and you're the guest. And you get to enjoy an abundant life in that place. And that's a forever and ever and ever kind of thing. But he also prepared a table for you. Now, David uses the word table, and this, this use of the word means that it's a place for food. Maybe that's why Eugene Peterson looks at it like a, a six-course dinner, because that's what it's talking about, it's a banquet table, a place where you share fellowship with the host and his other guests. And the word prepare means to arrange or to put in order. When you have company over to have a special meal, what do you guys do? What do you do? Clean the house. Put stuff in the closet. Cook. Cook. It might be the only time in our life that we're trying to make it out of the hut, you know, on the We get out tonight uh, the forks and spoons and stuff. When we have someone coming for a special meal, we do our we prepare our best. God is preparing his best. You. He's putting out the nice china and the ta- nice tables, spoons and forks and all that stuff for you. He prepared the table. See, before Jesus left and went back, he told his disciples he was leaving to go prepare a place for them. And God is a gracious host. He prepared the table in the presence of your enemies. That's an interesting turn of phrase. Look at it from, from this perspective. When a king would come home from a battle, he would hold a great feast for his soldiers while the enemy would look on. They would see the feast going on, but they wouldn't participate in it. And there's one day when the enemies of God will be separated from the table as God honors his people, as he honors those of us who do believe in him and follow him. And so we don't need to be afraid now because of what's in store in the future. David writes this in Psalm 27, The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When evil men advance against me to devour my flesh, when my enemies and my foes attack me, they will stumble and fall. Though an army besiege me, my heart will not fear. Though war break out against me, even then will I be confident. One thing I ask of the Lord, this is what I seek, that I might dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to seek him in his temple. For in the day of trouble he will keep me safe in his dwelling. He will hide me in the shelter of his tabernacle and set me high upon a rock. Then my head will be exalted above the enemies who surround me, and his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. He prepares a table for us in the presence of our enemies. 
But then stop there. He treats us as a guest and fills our heart with gladness. It's symbolized by oil in verse 5. You anoint my head with oil. Now, all oil was a staple back in the biblical times. If you think about it, they didn't have mass transit, right? They didn't have cars, and they didn't have trains or buses or anything else. How'd they get around? They walked. So they walked. And what kind of roads? Dirt. So you got a couple miles to walk to get to your post house. What do you think you, you look like at that point? <laughs> Be a little dirty too, you know, not, not to be too crude, but they didn't have sanitation systems either. They didn't, they, they didn't have the, 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 a way to bring all that stuff to one place. So it was not good. And so they walked and they got dirty. And when they got to the house, their host was anointed with oil. He would, he would use oil to, to anoint their head and to clean their feet. Psalm 104, verse 15. Includes oil as one of the gifts. Wine to gladden the heart of man, oil to make his face shine, bread to sustain his heart. So they use oil to help clean some of that stuff off. And Ecclesiastes 9, verse 7 Go eat your food with gladness and drink your wine with a joyful heart, for it is now that God favors what you do. Always be clothed in white and always anoint your head with oil. It's hard for us to understand that until you start thinking about their environment and what they go with. Because we don't do a lot of pouring oil on one another's head, do we? And then Jesus was at the Pharisee's house when a woman anointed Jesus' feet with perfume and the Pharisee got mad at him. She's wasting that. That's not, she shouldn't do that. And Jesus rebuked the Pharisee. He told him, you didn't put oil on my head, but she didn't pour perfume on my feet. So oil was a common courtesy back in that time for the people who were visible. And as a good host, you want them to feel comfortable, welcome, accepted. And the Pharisee went, that's one of the reasons why the Pharisee, we knew that the Pharisee was trying to trick Jesus, is he didn't treat him like an honored guest. He didn't honor him at all. He brought him in so that he could catch him. The other thing that happens is that God, when God invites you into, this, into your house, that he offers you abundance. My cup runneth over, my cup overflows. The word is that for overflow is used in verse 5. It's used in only one other place in the entire Old Testament. It's Psalms 66, 12. And it's translated there as abundance. You brought it to a place of abundance. So for David, this image of the overflowing cup is is the image of abundance and, and uh, unending grace and unending provision. So the first truth we learn in verses 5 through 6 in Psalm 23 is that God invites you into his eternal home. But the other thing is something that's really hard for us, I think, is that eternity starts now. That when you accept Christ, it's not just the thing that's, that's waiting for us out there, it, it begins now. It begins here. Jesus came to bring the kingdom here. A lot of us think that Christianity is all about giving up the good stuff. <coughs> so that down the road we can have this wonderful thing. So I'll just put up with life and I know it's going to be terrible because I can't do everything that I want to do. But that's really not the truth. 
when God wants us, God wants us to have good things in this life. Now it may not be everything that we want, but he wants us to have good things and an abundant life. David wrote in verse 6, Surely goodness and love that's often transmitted mercy will follow me all the days of my life. See, it's not just that thing that's that thing. It's all the days of my life now. Not just a future thing. It's a now thing. So if you're in Christ, if you believe in Christ, and God's love and mercy currently follow you at all times. He's with you no matter where you go. No matter what you do. It hunts you down. I like the, the thought of if you remember the word woo, did any of you woo one another? <laughs> it's an old word, but it's kind of a cool word. See, when you woo someone, you're in pursuit of them. And God is in pursuit of us. Always. Always. We may turn from Him and we may be like the sheep that ran as far away from Him as we can get. But God follows us and He woos us trying to get us back into relationship with Him. How much He loves you. How much He wants to be with you. His compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. See, Jesus is the shepherd on the path. He's the shepherd in the valley. And when the Lord is your shepherd, there's not a single day that, that's, that you're exempt. It's not like he said, well, I'm going to be your shepherd Monday through Thursday. And Friday, yum, yum. It's not how it works. He's your shepherd on Friday and on Saturday. He's your shepherd today in this place and when you leave this place. You have a good day? Have a bad day? Doesn't matter. He's with you. His rod and his staff and comfort you. Jesus said this in John, I tell the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. He doesn't say we'll have some eternal life at some point off in the future, do you? You have eternal life beginning now. you believe in him, you already have it. You've already crossed over from death to life. From this point forward. Think if we lived as if we believe that. What would that do to your day-to-day life? Say you're having a bad day. Something, everything seems to be going wrong. And you remember that you are the Lord from this point forward. Whatever's going on in my life right now pales in comparison to the promise that I have. And maybe it will help get through whatever that thing that's going on is. Goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. Christianity isn't some high sky later on dream thing. It's not a fantasy world. It begins in this place and it begins now. We focus a lot on discipleship and on what that means to follow Christ. 
And that's the reason why, because this matters what we do here. And it's on top of that that we get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. But that's our promise. So David started with, the Lord is my shepherd. He ends it by saying, I will dwell in the house of the Lord. So he brings the song full circle. Jesus told his disciples, this is one of my favorite passages, do not let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God. Trust also in me. In my Father's house are many rooms. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I am going there to prepare a place for you. Say that with me. I am going there to prepare a place for you. Now do it again and replace you with me. He's going there to prepare a place for me. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, so that you may be where I am. So when God invites you to his home, it's for keeps. It's not a temporary thing. You get to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. He, 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 he loves you that much. Now, that's only good news if you accept Christ. If you don't know the Lord, I pray that you come to know him. Because it's critical. I think I talked about this a little bit last week. Is it's part of the reason. In fact, I think the primary reason for our life here is so that we can make that choice. To choose Him is to choose Him into my life now and into eternity. And to reject Him has eternal consequences. It means you don't have any it helps you out here, but it also means that, that you're separated from God. It's a heaven and hell kind of question. The Lord wishes that all would be saved. He offers that to you. And it just requires a response of yes, Lord. And then to trust that He'll move in your heart and things will then begin to change for you. A lot of us don't even want to visit the house of the Lord every week, right? The godly person wants to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And you can tell where folks are by the choices that they make. So Jesus is a good shepherd. He guides us, he leads us by still walking. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. So the shepherd in the valley. But he's also the shepherd at home. And he's preparing a place for you and for me. Even now. And we're going to close with the same hymn that we've been closing with. But before we get to that, I wanted to Revisit this song. And I'd like us together to read it. But maybe more than that, to <coughs> proclaim it. That this be more than just a reading of words. But that you will let it become free and anchor in your life. You ready?